This is the Commonwealth City Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at commonwealthcitychurch.com and follow us on Instagram at comcitychurch. We hope you enjoy the message. So we spent quite a few weeks getting to celebrate the opportunity we had to partner with the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, which is which helps fund missions endeavors all over the world. Actually, the I guess the largest single mission sending organization on earth, the International Mission Board. And uh, just um, through that appeal and through the, the we, we did a lot of talking about um, bringing that offering up here to the front. And we had a special Sunday where we did that. And I wanted to say thank you guys because we raised almost $5,000 that we're going to yeah. get to send overseas to the cause of Christ. So I wanted to thank you guys That's and celebrate. Awesome. Yep. Thanks for leading us this morning in worship. Uh, good morning. My name's Andrew, and uh, it's good to be with you. This is my first Sunday preaching as a married man. Like, this is crazy. I know. Yeah. So um, as, as my girls are still in Wilmore this morning, they'll be here at the second service. They, they probably heard that applause, I'm sure. Um, I just want to give you a little insight into what's coming up over the next few weeks. As you, as you know, we've been journeying through the book of Colossians. And we're back in Colossians this morning in, in verses 16 and 17. We'll stand in a minute and read that. Um, but if you've read ahead at all or you have any familiarity with the book of Colossians, you know that there are some verses coming up. In fact, the next four coming up uh, specifically give us some insight into marriage and into family life, into married life and into family life, or relationship life and family life. And, and we, wanna, we want you to know that like, as pastors and elders of this church, like our number one goal is not, we don't have like a, a poster on the wall with like making sure we check off all 66 books of the Bible. Like our job by Ephesians 4 is to equip the saints for life and work of ministry. And not like in being a pastor, but just in everyday life. And so because we know, especially over these last two years, there have been some really unique challenges in married life and relationship life and in family life. We're going to be kind of spending some time over the next six weeks using these verses in Colossians to lean in a little bit more and to talk about what it means to equip our faith family to be the husbands and wives and maybe future husbands and wives or people that are, that are content and called in their singleness that God's called them to be and also be moms and dads and sons and daughters that God's called them to be. And so we're going to be kind of pausing our usual rhythm through Colossians. We're going to get back to it. We're going to use these next four verses as like a six-week little launch pad to do like a, a little just leaning in to equipping you in these two categories, marriage and family. In fact, next Sunday, Steve and Beth are going to be talking to us and leading our time together and teaching us um, about the, the verses concerning marriage in Colossians. But we're also going to be giving you a survey um, we'll be putting that together this week and giving that to you next week so that we have time on some places that you are longing for being equipped, places that you feel unequipped, places that you feel encouraged, places that you need encouragement when it comes to living out our calling as husbands, wives, moms, dads, sons, and daughters. Um, so we want to hear back from you on that. We want some feedback from you. We'll be putting that out. It'll be digital and hard copy. It'll be a little bit of everything. Um, and so we'll just keep that on your radar for the next couple weeks that we're going to be in, in asking you to kind of help us construct the framework for what it means to equip you and love you and encourage you and instruct you really, really well. Is that cool? Can we all do that together? And even if you're not here next week, 
you can still get the surveys, okay? They'll still be available. Um, so let's stand together, read Colossians 3, 16 and 17 uh, as we get into the word this morning. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for, for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather, um, to be just provoked to worship you, provoked to enjoy you, provoked to cherish you today. Lord, I pray that the songs we sang today weren't just us following along on screen, but was a confession of our hearts, of who you are and our need for you. Lord, we just pray that uh, in this time of going to your word, that your spirit preach a second sermon that instructs, equips, empowers, encourages, corrects, and, and, and uh, just, you know, moves us, directs us in a life um, that follows you and that glorifies you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Um, as it says, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, there are com some maybe competing thoughts on what this could mean. Does this mean the Bible? Does this mean specifically what Jesus said, like the red letters? Does this mean, um, you know, what you hear from the Lord in relationship? And the answer is yes, that's exactly what it means. It means all of those things. Um, when, when Paul wrote this to the church of Colossae, they didn't have the New Testament to look at. Like they couldn't open their Bibles to Matthew or to Mark, or to Luke. And so the story of who Jesus was, we get to see Butch lead us in that so many times. The story of who Jesus was and his teachings were lived out orally. Uh, and even you got to think like when, when people would reteach the teachings of Christ, like John chapter 10, that his sheep know his voice, that this was like audacious new permission to hear from the Lord. And so it's like, yes, the teachings of Christ. Yes, the wisdom of the first covenant, the Old Testament. Yes, the, the, um, the, how you hear and respond to the Holy Spirit in your life. All of those things. In fact, I think for the sake of clarity, we look at Colossians 1, 5, when Paul kind of mentions this at the beginning of the book, he kind of uses the same language. He says, um, he talks about the hope being laid up for us in heaven. Of this you had heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So this is synonymous, word of truth, the gospel synonymous with 316, the word of Christ. Maybe for the sake of clarity, we should say, let the transforming power of the good news of Jesus dwell in you richly. And that could be both orally spoken and certainly read and meditated upon um, as we understand the scriptures. Dwell in you richly. What does that mean to let the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, dwell in us richly. It means for it to let it inhabit us. It means for let it to like really become, like for our lives, our hearts to really become a home for the word of God. Now we have a moment of confession, maybe for some of us, and even some repentance. If we're honest over the last two years, gosh, it even feels weird to say that. Like it feels weird to look back at 2019 as the last quote unquote normal year that we lived, right? These last two years have been pretty revealing. In fact, you can look at the last two years and say, oh, my, my, you know, COVID and the pandemic and isolation and, and all this distancing and all this stuff, it, it's, it's raised my anxiety. It's caused my, my anxious thoughts to, 
to be more prevalent, to be more uh, um, out there and kind of in the open. It, it's raised my doubts. It's raised my fears. It's, it's raised my worry. Well, the truth is, I don't believe that the pandemic caused that at all as much as it revealed it. It revealed what is unsettling in our lives. And if we're honest, when we kind of scaled back from community and from relationships, one of the big things that it revealed also was how we let the word of Christ dwell in our lives. If we're honest, if I'm honest, I think I caught the eye-opening, you know, like exposure in my life that too many times I let the word of Christ be a guest that stops in, hangs out for a few days, as opposed to one that lives and inhabits every fiber of me. And I bet I'm not the only one in the room. I bet I'm not the only one in the room. Sometimes we've used Sundays as the check-in or maybe our Bible study, or, or maybe we logged into Zoom, maybe we caught another service or something, and we think that like those little five-minute mo- moments, or maybe 50-minute moments, if we're watching a worship service online, or, or, or watching worship you know, in some other capacity, or listening to it in our car, that that's what dwelling looks like. But that at best is treating Jesus like your body's a bed and breakfast, <laughs> a hotel, or an Airbnb. Like We're inviting you to let the Word of God dwell in you richly, to inhabit you, to call your life his home. Does the word stop in like a guest renting out your space? Or does he live there? There are two examples of dwelling that I kind of stumbled upon as I was doing research for this sermon and research for our time together. And the two are, are this. The first one is that we need to let the word of God dwell in us like a child does in the safety and security of their home. Now, I mentioned earlier, this is my first Sunday as a married man. Um, I went on, we went on our honeymoon after, we were married on December 29th, went on our honeymoon after, and the day we came back, the very next day, so we got back on a Wednesday, the very next day was Snowmageddon 2022, right? Like, it, it, here came a huge snowstorm, we were out of school, and so my life went from like relaxing, chill vacation to all four people in my family, my wife, my two stepdaughters, all being in the same living space for the next like 72 hours, right on top of each other. Like this was a huge um, change of pace, a huge uh, like just adjustment for me. But I noticed something that, that speaks to what it means to let the word dwell in us. I noticed something that kind of came to life. A kid lives in a house differently than an adult. All right, now when I look at a house, I'm able to operate on a certain practical level. I see bedrooms and bathrooms. I see living rooms and kitchens and garages. I have an awareness for what those spaces are supposed to, um, you know, invite us into from bathrooms having, you know, like hygiene usage and kitchen being where you cook and, and maybe the living room being where you hang out and the bedroom being where you sleep. But to a seven and nine-year-old, every square inch of our house is an entirely different opportunity. Sometimes it's a stage, sometimes it's a recital hall, sometimes it's a gymnasium, a fort and a castle, sometimes it's an art studio and or an art gallery. Sometimes it's a movie theater or a tea room where we're making tea for all of our imaginary friends that have come to life and our dolls and stuffed animals. Sometimes it's a trampoline park, sometimes it's a world of imagination where inanimate objects have lots of life and vitality. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a domain of wonder and imagination, and sometimes even as I'd hold up most recent possession, my library card, sometimes it's a library with fully staffed 
librarians. Like our house has tons of different, you know, endless opportunities in it. And they all make me smile and laugh and like really enjoy. But if we're honest, that's how we need to let the word of Christ dwell in our lives. Like with full permission to be creative and imaginative, uh, imaginative in our lives and in our hearts and in every fiber of our being. And the second example of what it means to dwell is like your most familiar friend or ideally your spouse. It's long been said you don't know someone until you live with them. Or you're not known until someone lives with you. Do we treat the word of God, the gospel, the truth of the gospel with this kind of intentionality? That it know us, that we know it, that we allow it to have full reign over every square inch of our life. Dwelling richly, in fact, invites us to a question. And it's this question that'll be on the screen. Can I really invite Jesus into all of that? Can I invite Jesus into all of that? And if I do, what will happen? Like if I really invite Jesus to richly inhabit my life, what would transpire in your life? What would transpire in your habits? What would transpire in your attitudes? What would transpire in your posture, in your worship? The point is not to get into a good schedule or pattern with the word. Now we're, we're people of New Year's resolutions. It's 2022. It's the new year. Hopefully we're getting back to some sense of normalcy. Um, I, don't know if, I, don't, I don't know if it's a new normal or we'll, we'll get back to life the way it kind of was. I'm not sure, but we have a tendency to say, okay, this is the year that I'm going to do the read through the Bible in a year. Like I'm going to have a good schedule. And listen, I don't want to demean that. But if all we get out of having a reading plan on our app is a good schedule and not formation, then we've missed it. The point is not to have the correct Christian schedule. The point is to be formed by the word of truth that dwells within you. In fact, Brady and Kurt over the past two weeks have, have invited us into understanding prayer and communion in a more intentional way. And our prayer for you is that the word would dwell richly in you. Are you praying that? Are you praying that for you and your family? That the word of Christ would dwell richly in the lives of yourself and of those that you call family? And if you're not praying it, would you? Would you pray that with us? We don't want to just resolve to have a better committed schedule. We want to resolve to be formed by the truth of Jesus. C.H. Spurgeon says the troubling reality is that believers can appear to be a committed Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ. That people can appear to be a committed Christian. They can have the right schedule. They can hang out with the right people. They can attend the right events. They can limit the wrong things in their life. But all of those things are just behaviors unless we're allowing the truth of the gospel to form us. Evidence of our formation and letting the word dwell is right here in the text. What's evidence of it? It's that we get wisdom. We get understanding. We get discernment. The word of God is full of instruction and encouragement and imperative commands. And in fact, Adam Braun yesterday in a meeting together said, we need to be reminded that every instruction and every imperative command of scripture is actually an invitation to achieve a greater joy in Christ. Every single one. There's like a thousand, you should do this in scripture. And every single one is an invitation to have a greater joy in Jesus. When we are formed by the word that dwells richly within us, we walk away with more wisdom. In fact, James says, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. And do you know what the answer will be for how you get wisdom? To be formed by the indwelling word 
of Christ. How does it form us? We see that it forms us in two ways. It teaches and it admonishes. Teaches and admonishes. Both of these words are, are kind of two sides of the same coin. Teaches is more like instruct, direct, um, you know, like be invited into something, whereas admonish takes on a, a category more of like warning or you should limit this or, or you should reshape your understanding to include some things and to not include some things. Uh, this, this week at our staff meeting, Butch led us in a devotion of Psalm 1, a psalm that we know really, really well about what it means to delight in the law of the Lord. And it starts off right out of the gate. It says, blessed is he who does not do some things. That's an admonishment. Who does not, you know, like hang out with, the, with, with sinners and stand with scoffers and, and, and be in the way of, of, of those that are against the, the truth of the gospel. Do not do those. And when you do not do that and you meditate instead on the law of the Lord, and delight in that, like your life looks totally different. The word of Christ, this word, this indwelling word is never just intended to improve your brain. It's intended to transform your heart. When you come to the word, it's not for you to get more information. It's for you to experience transformation. Now, how do I know that? Because of what immediately follows this. Could you imagine a world, imagine a world, if you will, without any singing, or song. Think about how boring that would be. Like as we've, if you experienced different cultures, if you've been to another country or, or maybe you've gone to festivals or events that happen in Lexington or other major cities where there's like different cultural moments, you know, one of the things that always accompanies understanding other cultures is understanding their artistic expression. And most of the time we call that songs or dances could you imagine the world without those things? Who do you think was the author of song and dance? It's not been us. It's been God himself. And why do I know that? Because right here it says, do you want to know what accompanies teaching each other and warning each other in wisdom? That you sing to one another. That your life is worshipful amidst each other. That God puts a new song in your heart. James chapter 5, it says, if anyone is cheerful or encouraged, let him sing. Let him sing. We should have hearts that are so formed by the truth of the gospel that worship becomes second nature to us. As, as uh, Kurt said earlier, don't let my worship get stuck inside my songs. I want to live what I sing. I want to invite you to this quote as we move on through this um, from uh, Charles Spurgeon as well. He says this, praise God then in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And if, I, and if you say, I don't know how to do it, then let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It is a praise begetting thing. Out of every book of scripture will stream praise unto the Lord. Out of every promise will spring a sonnet. Out of every divine truth enjoyed and lived upon will rise a spiritual song. The whole revelation of God is the condensed essence of praise. You have only to give it a fitting opportunity by set it simmering on the fire of a grateful heart and you shall find a sweet cloud of holy incense rising from it acceptable to the most high. Therefore, beloved, be much with your Bibles, but let your Bibles be much with you for your own profit, for the profit of others, and mostly for the glory of God. So be it for Christ's sake. Amen. That's a great reminder of what it means to, 
to let our lives live out a life of worship in response to the word that is dwelling richly in us. And from this place of worship, we go to verse 17. From this place of worship, everything we do, in word or in deed, we do in the name of Jesus. In fact, as we move on, I want to give you five quick little um, insights into what it means to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, these are, are adapted actually from a sermon that housed that quote by Spurgeon himself. Um, how, what does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? There are some adaptations here. First, with Christ as the mediator and substitution presented on your behalf. How do you do everything in word and in deed um, in the name of Jesus? That you do it first and foremost by the understanding that you have no standing separate from the atoning and sacrificial and substitutionary work of Jesus. And that should be like an umbrella that you live under in everything you do. Secondly, with Christ as your authority, with Christ as your authority, he's your king that stands in the gap between you and the father inviting you in. He's your king, all authority given to you under heaven and earth. Like you get to walk in that light everywhere you go. And the first one, I I missed a a note here that says what it means to be blessed in Christ and blessed by Christ is the fact that we have, because of his atoning work for us, we get well done, good and faithful servant on the front end of our lives following Jesus. Not just because we've earned it, but because Christ earned it for us. And from that place of earning, with him as the mediator and substitution, with him as our king, and number two, we can do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Number three, with him as our example, with Christ as our example. Philippians 2 shows us that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather took on the form of a servant, being obedient unto death, even death on a cross. We get him as our example and our model. Number four, with Christ leading our mission. Um, As I was doing research on this, this passage specifically, it took me to the understanding of the early uh, like imperialist settlers that would go to other countries. And as soon as they would see land, the first thing they would do was to rush to land as quick as they could and stick a flag with the seal of their king. And then if they found out that somebody else had already done that, then they would have a war about that, right? Like that's what would always happen. But, but it's this mentality of like, I'm going to claim that land. I'm going to claim that territory. I'm going to claim that space as something that belongs to my king from number two. When Christ leads our mission, everywhere you go, you have heavenly permission to stick a flag in the ground and say, this place can belong to our king. This place can. And and the way that I know that is that I get to be his ambassador in my work, in my neighborhood, in my family, among my friends, at the place that I recreate and do hobbies. Like I get to be his ambassador and I can stick a flag in the ground with with the crest of my King Jesus on it that says this place, I can do this place. I can be in this place in the name of the Lord. And then lastly, understanding Christ as our helper and our source of life. He quoted, Jesus himself quoted this when he was tempted. Uh, Satan came to him and said, would you like some bread? And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but how does he live? From every word that dwells richly within us from the mouth of God. We don't have a source of life apart from the transforming word of God. We just don't have it. And so as we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, we do understanding, living, understanding, being transformed by the truth that Christ is our mediator, our authority, our example. He's the one that leads our mission and he is our helper and our source for life. And what does that lead us to respond? 
as people? How do, how do we respond as people with that understanding? We give thanks to God the Father through him. We give thanks. Do you want to know the real way you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus with these things in mind? You do them gratefully. You do them gratefully because you don't stand in your own standing. He stood for you. You do them gratefully because you're not your own king, praise God, right? He's your king. You do them gratefully because you have an example and a model in Jesus. You do them gratefully because you have a commander for the mission and a commissioner for the mission that you're on. You do them gratefully because you have a helper and a source of life. You give thanks through him. We're called as people that are have the word of God dwelling richly in us. We're called to be transformed as grateful people, as grateful people. That our understanding of who Jesus is naturally comes out. We are walking thank you cards to God. As somebody that's having to write a lot of thank you cards in response to wedding gifts, I understand this a little bit more these days. We are walking thank you cards and messages and testimonies. In fact, just the other day, I got to celebrate the birthday of a, of a little girl that um, has a story of adoption. She was put up for adoption and, and you know, got to, got to, is now lives with another family, with family that adopted her. And I got to say, like, I was talking to someone and I was, and I was like, man, it's so beautiful to see this story. She only knows the joy she lives in in an incredible family. But all of us that know the full story know the testimony of provision and faithfulness that accompanies every single step she takes. And that's what we are adopted into a family that we couldn't have gotten in outside of the transforming work of Jesus. And we have lives that are testimonies from a place of gratitude for his glory and his grace. And so the last question I give you today is this, or questions I give you is, what does it mean to live a grateful life? Does it just mean saying thanks a lot? Or are there attitudes and actions that accompany truly being grateful? You know, a lot of times we think in the Christian life, that um, it's the impressive people that God uses. It's the talented people that he uses. It's the gifted people that he uses. We might look on stage and be like, man, I don't have, I can't write a song like Kurt. Like, I can't play like he does. Like I can't recite the Bible with as much accuracy as Butch can. Like I, I, I don't pray like Brady or, or, or any, anybody else. Like I can't do these things, you know? But, but the truth is that God is not after your giftedness. He's after your gratefulness. He's not after your talent. He's after your thanksgiving. And if we really were going to be the people in the city of Lexington, in the state of Kentucky, and in the world that God's called us to be, it wouldn't be because of our talent and our gift and our expertise. It would be because of our thankfulness and our gratitude for who Christ has made us to be. What if we, Com City, were the most grateful people in every room we walked in? What if we were the most thankful people in every single room we walked in from getting time with family over Christmas to back into the rhythm and routine of work. Like what if every office, every retail store, every going to the DMV to renew our driver's license, like all those things. What if every room we walked in, you and I, because of who Jesus is to us, we're the most grateful people. And then secondly, how would the Holy Spirit lead you in practicing a grateful life? If we know that the response to the word of God dwelling richly is us living out gratitude and thanks, then how would the Holy Spirit lead you in practicing a grateful life? Not just today, but in your days going forward. And as we meditate on this, as we meditate on what it means to invite the Holy Spirit 
and the word of God to dwell in us richly as we meditate on what it means to, to let that um, dwelling move us to worship, as we consider what it means to live in a way that acknowledges Christ as our as our stand, the one that gives us standing, the one that's our king, the one that's our example, the one that calls us onto mission, the one that is our source for life and our helper. As we recognize all these things, how would the Lord move your heart to a greater understanding and a greater invitation to join him in that? And as we come to the table today, as we take and eat and remember his body and blood broken and shed for us, as we come to the table and not just do an act of remembrance, but confess an act of participation. How would the Holy Spirit lead us in being grateful for who God is to us and for his inhabiting our life and dwelling in us richly? How would God move us to be a grateful people? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for um, what it means uh, to understand and to, to recognize Um, you and your transforming truth dwelling in us richly. I pray that today there are people that walk out of here um, with a greater uh, invitation to allow your word to dwell in their hearts richly and fully, to, to get creative in the space of their life, much like a child does through every square inch of their house. And Lord, I just pray that, that they get to see that transformation start to happen in the steps they take. Lord, I pray as well as we are people that are that are confessionally desiring you to dwell in us richly, Lord, that you make us to be grateful people who change the world by the way that we worship the one that's worthy and the way that we live an overflow of gratitude for who Jesus has made us to be, for the life he's invited us into, for the possibilities and the promises he's given us. Lord, make us a grateful people, um, not because we're polite or respectful, but because we're transformed. It's in your name we pray. Amen.